Hello, and welcome back to your regularly scheduled programming of Reap the Spoils. This is a podcast where we pick a video game, play it, and then spoil it for all of you. Uh, hopefully you've played it, because if you haven't, you're going to have a really bad time. Uh, my name is Mark Sullivan. I'm Delilah Lugo. I am Jason Kwasnicki. You know, I completely forgot after two E3 episodes that we usually start off with that. Like, that, that's just my fault. All right, next time. We'll do better next time. I'll do better next time. It's fine. Well, we, had, we, we didn't have notes for those episodes. It was off the cuff, but it was fun. Yeah, it was. It was good. Uh, if, you, if you don't know what we're talking about, uh, we recorded two episodes for E3, a predictions episode before E3 and a roundup episode after E3 with our opinions and tallying up the points of the predictions it, that we got right and wrong and all that. We had so much fun. I was a, I was a bit of a bad boy. I had to be edited. <laughs> <laughs> Ultra sassy. <laughs> yes, that was a good, that was a good rant that just got completely cut. Um, we're not going to go into that though. Um, <laughs> but you should watch the episodes. They yeah, are, or or listen. They're to a them. lot of fun. Yeah, mm-hmm. or not watch them, listen to them. Well, you can watch them. It's just going to be a still image of the E3 logo. Yeah. But, uh, Delilah, what game are we talking about today? Days Gone. Yes. We are talking about Days Gone. The It's aptly named, you know, how many days are gone because I wasted them on it. Wow. wow. Well, that, that answers my first question. Um <laughs> That I wasn't even ready for yet, but we'll we'll, we'll get I'm to being, that I'm momentarily. Being facetious. I'm being facetious. <laughs> um. So yeah, that we that we had to take a little extra time. Apologies for that. Uh, to get through this game because we'll 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 get into why, uh, in a little bit. Uh, but first, I want to start off with a brief, but hopefully informative history lesson of the game Days Gone by Sony Ben Studio. Uh, developments on this game started in early 2015, and it was revealed at E3 2016 on Sony stage with two presentations. You guys remember that? No, I don't remember nope. two. I just remember like seeing one with a bunch of zombos chasing the main character, and I was like, "Ooh, that looks cool." So it was it. it was the same E3 as uh, it was the same E3 God of War was revealed, and they started yes. they opened up with God of War which was an amazing reveal. It was incredible. And then I think the second trailer they showed right after that was the Days Gone trailer where no one really knew what the hell the game was. It had like the theme and like Deacon and, and, and Sarah on the bike behind him. And it was like him, a little monologue from him and then Days Gone. with like... Which had me really excited at first because as we were just talking about briefly before the show, I'm a big Sons of Anarchy fan. So I was like, yeah, cool. A game about, you know, like a, a, an MC motorcycle club and then there were zombies and my interest immediately plummeted yo fun fun fact i had to google what mc stood for <laughs> like they said mc and i'm like the, the, the hell is that like a dj thing was he a dj at some point i have no idea our host boys and girls you know what like i don't i don't know anything about motorcycle cult. i learned a lot from this game i learned a lot about motorcycle culture uh from this game but i knew nothing going in but anyway they uh they they showed that trailer earlier in the game or uh, in the in the presentation and then we went through the entire e3 presentation and they ended their uh presentation with a gameplay demo of days gone which was at the sawmill uh he was looking for some guy 
and mm. found him. The guy got eaten by a bunch of freakers, and then he's running through the sawmill, and it ends up with him on top of that silo, like, you know, egging them on to come get him. So that we, we weirdly saw Days Gone, like, twice in that same presentation, One once at, like, close to the very beginning and once at the very end. It was kind of an odd choice. Uh, in my yeah, opinion. I only remember the one at the end. I don't even remember the first one you mentioned. The, the, the initial the initial reveal was just you know, was frankly kind of forgettable because it didn't really tell you anything about the game. Right. Um, but got that reveal uh, in, in 2016, uh, and the whole the whole idea was they would be using Unreal Four uh, with a with a strong emphasis on narrative. Uh, we originally got a release date to come on February 22nd, but it wound up uh, of 2019 and it wound up getting delayed to April 26th, 2019, the very end of April. So that's, it took us the entirety of May, basically, at least Jason and I to play through this game. That's why we're <laughs> recording mid to late June. <laughs> also, also keep in mind, we have lives. Yes, we do so. have lives. Lives and E3 and you know, Really, really, uh, this is E3's fault. Let's just blame E3. <laughs> um, and also the game's fucking long. <laughs> yes, the game, the game was really long. Um, but, you know, some good news. Uh, despite some mediocre, lukewarm to somewhat positive review scores, the game did sell The protagonist really was too well. white, according <sighs> to GameSpot. I was hoping we wouldn't get... We wouldn't get political here. Um, I wasn't trying to get... I was just trying to be funny. <laughs> uh, the, the game sold extraordinarily well. It had the seventh highest debut in sales for a Sony title. Uh, Sony's had a lot of titles. To be the seventh highest is pretty big. Uh, and the game weirdly sold really well in Japan. Mm-hmm. Do you think do the Japanese have like fetishes for American bikers? Well, the, I okay. In, <laughs> so, the, in the same in the same way, like people like you, Mark, have fetishes for like Japanese girls. All right, I I will set that. Does he really? No, <laughs> no, Jason. For fuck's sake. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> I will say about about the Japanese. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Jason just spit soda out of his mouth. <laughs> or whatever that is. I w- it is soda. <laughs> I, w- I will say um, they do really like, like how we have weebs here. They basically have weebs, but for America and Americana. Uh. Yeah, they're really into baseball. I know that. There were Well, baseball is a, is a sport there. But yeah. they, I, like when I, when I lived there, uh, they did have. I, I did often see like Japanese like teenagers wearing like New York Jets sweaters. Mm. Yeah. And, like I think I think like a, a Knicks baseball cap at some or you know like one of those tops caps. Mm-hmm. Wow. Like I, you'd see, and and there was like a bar near my dorm that also like just was filled with stuff um, regarding Americana. Uh, lots I of, imagine lots of cars, I- especially. I imagine there's also a lot of business, like back from the days. I, I mean, I think we still have bases there um, when American troops were stationed there in mass. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of businesses built specifically for American business. Yeah. Oh, I'm over here just thinking it's because PlayStation's in Japan. <laughs> well, it's, 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 it's strange to me because to me, uh, we've all played this game. It doesn't, I, I, we, and we know kind of like what the Japanese. What kind of games they like? This doesn't really cry out like 
Japanese to me, you know, as a game that the Japanese would really appreciate or like. And right. Really. Like Persona 5 made total sense, but this <coughs> game, not so much. Yeah, it's like not a it's not a JRPG. I guess that's the thing. It's not a JRPG, so it surprises <laughs> me that the Japanese enjoyed it. Um, and it also sold really well in the UK. Uh, I forget the exact uh, de- sales debut numbers. No joke to make there, because n- nobody has fetishes for the British. Damn lobster coats. I don't know, man. Have you heard their accents? Yeah, pretty... that's why we had a revolution. Oh, my God. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's my brief history of Days Gone. Uh, inter- interjected with some, uh, some nonsense. <laughs> so shall we jump into it? Yeah. Yes. In- into the game? The game that took us a month to finish? <sighs> Let's do this. All right. Um, do we want to just... Crack open that can and start off with the opening. What'd you guys think of how the game opened? I, you know, it it was fine. Like, <laughs> it, it, it wasn't like, oh my god, like The Last of Us, the way The Last of Us opened. I like cried five seconds later. But this game, it was like, oh, okay. His like wife is injured and she's like being sent off in a helicopter. And he's just like, oh, I hope you don't die, but I'm going to go with my boy anyway. So peace. I was just like, really? Okay, well, I guess, you know, his boy, like, bros over hoes kind of thing. That that was, <laughs> that was my impression of him. Well, beginning. you bring up The Last of Us, and the reason The Last of Us open, opening, they obviously were trying to replicate it somewhat. But the reason The Last of Us opening worked is because you actually played as that girl walking around the house, just normal night, and there was a deep contrast between... That and then, you know, father comes in, passes out a little bit and then wakes up and all hell breaks loose. Um, And obviously there's a bit more of an emotional uh, reaction to a little girl getting shot, you know, and the father daughter. With this, it just kind of opens in pure chaos and there's just a woman who's been stabbed and we don't know any of these characters yet. And it's kind of just like, what the fuck is going on? Right, at least with The Last of Us, like, there was some, like, cutesy dialogue between Joel and Sarah. Yes, yes. And that, like, made you understand the dynamic of their relationship very, very quickly, which is why when she died very, very quickly, it just had so much of an impact. Yeah, we were able Uh, to actually, like, it was a little bit of time, it was a brief period of time, but we were able to kind of see life before the storm mm -hmm. and and get even just the the, the smallest chance to to care about these characters and days gone doesn't really achieve that Mm-mm. like whatsoever it opens yeah. up it it opens up and and we're it we're we're they want us to care they want us to to see this as like a sad moment and it, it just falls flat uh and and thank you for bringing up the the, the last of us i'm i'm happy i we talked about this a little bit. I'm happy I'm not the only one that kind of drew that comparison. Uh, I felt bad because for the first few hours, I couldn't stop drawing that comparison. Mm-hmm. Eventually, I, I had to... I, 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 eventually, I did stop, but it took a while. And yeah, it's not this... necessarily fair, but it, it, it had... It, it, it's an obvious draw, especially if you're, if you're a PlayStation fan that has played that game that game came out six years ago and it set such a high standard of quality and this 
in the first few hours just really really struggled to 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 reach that and i want to i want to just clarify when i make that comparison i'm really just talking about that opening um because overall especially when you get start getting towards the middle late middle and especially the last third of the game you begin to realize this isn't really a character driven narrative it's much more a what's the word it's almost a socio-political narrative uh it's more about the world than it is the characters necessarily um whereas obviously the last of us was much more intimate much more character focused really on those main two protagonists yeah i think this game does become more character focused eventually it just takes a little bit of time once we start to actually care about the characters that that are presented to us not to mention the 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 whole first act of the game doesn't really give us many characters that we're supposed to care about uh, right. It's really that second act that gives us a that gives us a crew that we that we grow to like. I mean, to be frank, and we'll get into this as we go along, there was really only two characters throughout the entire game I really cared about, maybe three. And there's a lot of characters, a lot of characters. Yeah. All I'll say to conclude is to get. I, I've been thinking about this uh, parallel or allegory uh, ever since I finished the game. This feels like reading Stephen King's It. As I was as I was reading that novel, I, f- I just felt like I needed to be the editor and I just needed to take a fucking axe to the book and, you know, chop out shit like, yeah, you know, you don't need to have things about, you know, interdimensional gods and turtles and all the children having sex with each other in the sewer. Like, oh my God. I, I just feel like this game needed desperately an editor spoilers for uh it chapter two coming to theaters this summer <laughs> yeah <laughs> Delilah, did well, you the, wanna... they probably won't have the interdimensional turtle in there i that will be a huge huge disappointment if they don't have the interdimensional turtle but <laughs> Delilah, is there something else you want to add yeah i i do think that the game did try to be narrative focus and i think that's why we're making the comparison to the last of us because i mean even uncharted like naughty dog just just does such a great job in making you care about characters very quickly like i'm thinking about the last of us like how quickly like i liked tess or how quickly i liked um the son the the son the father and the son oh my god i forget their names like marvin or something i don't know no that's yeah, actually resident evil 2 <laughs> never mind <laughs> i actually i actually can't remember their names either now that i think about it no but like well, the point is is that every single character in that game i cared about and quickly like it didn't take five chapters for me to start caring about them whereas in this game like for example boozer who's one of the characters that i actually like it took me a few chapters to be like oh okay i kind of like this guy i kind of care about him i kind of understand the relationship between him and deacon um, and I just think that's because Naughty Dog just mastered that kind of thing. So it isn't really fair to make that comparison. But if you're having a Sony exclusive narrative driven narrative driven game, it's kind of inevitable that those comparisons come into play. And it's also right. kind of funny when you consider Sony Bend because the last game that they made, the last major game that they made before Days Gone was an Uncharted game. 
It was Golden Bist for the Vita. Oh, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's yeah. That's something that's... I, I meant to bring up about them when uh, when we first mentioned the developer. I'm sure that was that. I'm sure that was in collaboration though, right? I mean, it had I to mean, have been I'm writers sure from Naughty they, Dog. They, they had to make sure they kept consistent with that game's universe, uh, even if there are some weird things that happened in it uh, that are weird to think about in the overall. I, n- I never played it, so I'm not really too well, caught up on that. That's fine. Yeah. but, but uh, still, they, they they do have some experience with like, I, I guess, good narratives or or adding to a good narrative in in, in that capacity. Um, and just to bring it full circle, you know, we're talking a lot about comparing to to a Naughty Dog game. Uh, I, th- I thought I'd throw that out there. Yeah. And I was looking back on the games that Days Gone made before, I mean, that Days Gone, that Sony Ben made before Days <laughs> Gone. Uh, and like, this is really like a, a really leap, a big leap for them, regardless, you know? Which um, is, which is great. I'm, I'm really happy that they're, that they're now back to making... Uh, big first-party games for Sony. Uh, I don't think they've really done that since Siphon Filter, but I could be wrong. Uh, Siphon Filter. Yeah, I had to bring that <laughs> up just for you, Jason. Sorry. Oh, I remember playing that game with my cousins, split-screen multiplayer. You could tase each other to death. Literally, you would light on fire. Oh, great times. <laughs> so anyway, uh, do we want to move on into the main meat of the game the main the yes main, main meat so, of meat and bones so uh, delilah just mentioned boozer yeah and i i, I want to preface i want to preface before we go in uh the way that i i we, we're changing up the format again just a little bit just a little mm-hmm. bit um since this game focuses so heavily on uh storylines which we'll get into uh character interactions uh, between Deacon and so and so, I figured what we would do is is kind of delve into those interactions one by one with like important figures, not like every single one uh, that you have in the game. There are certain characters that I feel are pretty forgettable and unnecessary to really talk about, especially because it's not really linear. Like you could approach this in many different ways. Well, that's that's mm-hmm. kind of the thing is it's not really linear, but it is really linear. The way that the the way that the missions unlock makes it so linear, but the way that they p- present them to you is is not. It's it's such a boggling idea. Yeah, it's it. It's a. I had periods of time where I wouldn't have any story progressing missions open to me. I would just have like maybe a side bounty or something like it, and I would just roam around like, what the fuck am I supposed to do next? I mean, and that has happened in other games. I mean, take Spider Man. There would be times. Uh, not that we're going to spoil Spider-Man entirely, just to bring up this one thing. Um, there'd be times where you would be, you wouldn't have your your next mission yet, and you would just be expected to, you know, swing around the city, stop a crime, and then the next mission would unlock. This is sort of the same way, but it's the way that it all progresses and the way that the missions are presented to you. It's a really, and in, in my opinion, it's a really good idea with a really, really terrible uh, presentation or mm. uh, attempt. Yeah, at, at pulling it off. It's formatting of completing missions reminded me of life. Like, <laughs> like I'm having my experience with like you guys right now, right? And then like in a few minutes, I'm gonna go have an experience with my cat and then my boyfriend. And it's like very fragmented, right? So it's not like this like linear experience where I'm like fleshing out the story between us three and then fleshing out the story between the cat. Like life is very dynamic like that. But I feel like in a video game 
having those like fragmented stories mixed together just doesn't work. Right. And mm. I, I, I totally agree. And it, 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 the way that it's presented to you is, is the way it's presented to you is like you have you have storylines, you have a percentage with those storylines. And to me, that 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 cries out like, oh, I really care about this storyline. So I'm going to go and progress that one and I'll worry about the other ones later. But that's not how the game works. It's still a linear progression where, no, you're going to get this mission, whether you like it or not. I don't care if you like the storyline or not. This is the next mission in the story. So it defeats right. the purpose of having those storylines. Yeah. By the way, Delilah, I'm, I'm curious. What percentage are you uh, with your storyline with your cat? Just, just wanted to, just wondering. <laughs> uh, 90, oh. 98%. Oh, that's great. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> so, like Jason was saying, uh, the first character we really need to talk about, the first real character that we have, like, true interactions with in the game, uh, that'd be Boozer. Yes, and he's definitely the best character. Um, yes, you you lend him a I, hand like more than once in that game, I should say. Yes, <laughs> um, definitely. You wrote here in the notes one of the characters with a better arc. <clears throat> I would argue he's the only character with an arc. Um, <laughs> okay, and I agree. By by the end of the game, he was really the only as all of the end action is taking place. It was he was the only character I actually really cared about what happened to him, and at the end of the game, there, uh, and obviously this is reap the spoils. So spoiler alert: at the end of the game, there are a few minutes oh, it's where ex it's expected that anyone listening yeah. to this uh, knows that we're about to spoil everything. At the end yeah. of the game, in the final battle, there's a few minutes where you think he's dead that he sacrificed himself, and I actually was like, "Fuck." Like, yeah. I didn't want him to die. Like, I, w I would rather Deacon died and, you know. <laughs> no, seriously. Like, <laughs> no, I agree. That's why I'm laughing. It's just funny. And when it turned out that he didn't die um, and then he was just kind of fucking around with it, I was like, oh, man. And that was really the only point at which I – actually, that's not completely true. There was one other point where I actually kind of felt something. But that was really the only point I kind of felt anything <laughs> for a character. <laughs> <laughs> where i kind of felt something it's just so but so emotional this whole experience i think a lot i think a lot of it has to do with the fact that um it wasn't necessarily due to good writing so much as he's the first character you're with he's with you throughout the entirety of the game there's more time to develop him um and you just grow more attached because so much of what you're doing has to do with him and his well-being and your relationship with him right and and so this is like your biker dude brother and so he's he's injured and he can't go off on missions with you and he's like tight about it that you're going and doing all these things and he's freaking stuck on a on a bed like pretty much bedridden can't do anything and the the illness starts to get to him and he goes a little crazy and like you guys have like some a, a lot of bumping head moments they actually get into a physical altercation um and then you're like fuck like what's gonna happen are they gonna kill each other like you're really questioning like their bromance so to speak um and then eventually like boozer's just like he 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 gets better he, he he's like you know what fuck it dude. deacon's like fuck it dude we're gonna get on this bike and we're gonna take a ride i'm gonna take you with me you're gonna get off this bed 
And like that moment for me was just like, wow, like, like that all he wanted to do was get out of his bed. And it sounds so simple on paper, but if you're playing the game, it really speaks to their relationship and, and, um, why it's the best relationship in that game. Yeah. How, how painful was it to watch that, uh, the, 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 the scene, the, the scene that caused the injury, the, uh, the ripper with the blowtorch. I don't know. I, I yeah, cringed that was, throughout the entire time. That was that was that, that was, was fucked up. Yeah. yeah, that was fucked up. Which to just start talking about the world that we're in a little bit, like that, it really helps to paint a picture really early on. Not not only just the freakers running around because you know, I don't want to say anybody can make a zombie game, but anyone can make a zombie game. It's it doesn't really take much. Oh, I'm sorry, but these technically aren't zombies. They're freakers. They're zombies. It's not the same thing, um, but it, it. What's more interesting in a zombie game isn't the zombies, but the people that are inhabiting that world and getting introduced to the rippers like that. It and 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 causing like a major ripple in in what we're going to see throughout the entire game. Like it, it was it was a good way to. I I would say it's a good way to start off the world building a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> you you hit it right on the head. Right on. You hit the nail right on the head. Ah. Uh, any any post-apocalyptic slash zombie story is supposed to be at least about the human interactions and how humanity deals with it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like Fallout. Nobody cares really how we got here. It's what happens afterwards. Right. <laughs> right, right. So... <laughs> um. I kept expecting uh, when he when he got his arm amputated because you know we we talked about it. He started getting sick. He had blood poisoning, and and Deacon wound up taking uh, Boozer down to to Lost Lake Camp. He got his arm amputated. Uh, I kept expecting him to like lose his shit on Deacon every time Deacon was like, "I'm gonna go get his bike to make him feel better." Uh, I'm gonna get him this knife attachment for his arm. He'll love that. I don't know. I kept expecting Boozer to just lose his goddamn mind. I did too, and I think yeah. that's what made him so interesting. Yeah, like he he never really did. Mm. He no, he... he got a fucking puppy. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, can we, uh, the, the puppy. Oh, that was another thing. Before the puppy, there was like the. I'm happy that the puppy happened because earlier, in, <laughs> like I, I, I got to talk about. I forgot about this until just now. Uh, a couple missions before that, you take him out on a run, and there's like there's like some rabid dogs and whatnot, and he starts killing all of them. And there was one that like he wound up having to kill that was totally okay, and I was really hoping and expecting that dog to become his buddy, and he wound up having to kill him, and I got really upset about that. So I'm really, I just want to say I'm really thankful for the puppy. <laughs> yeah, just, um, me th- too. Thank you, Sony Bend, for the puppy. That <laughs> that that made everything better. Um. <laughs> To, and I and last thing I, I just want to bring up, like to go back to the whole death thing at the end where he sacrifices himself. What a trope! Yeah, just what a boring trope. Because you find out like five minutes later that he's not dead. It's right. Just, I I don't know. I feel like we didn't have any time to grieve, and and that felt less impact. I love I love Boozer. He was probably my favorite supporting character. Um. But that was that that did nothing for me. Like we we found out five minutes later. I don't know. I, I had no time to really grieve, and therefore had no time to really think that that was a good move. But 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was impacted as soon as it happened, but you're right. But we pretty quickly realized like, oh, shit, he's fine. Yeah. It was like, oh, okay, All right. Cool. Moving on. (laughs) Exactly. And then the ending happens. It's like, oh, okay, So it's all it's all done. (sighs) Yeah. (laughs) So moving on. Yeah, we've got we've got more character interactions. (laughs) These two characters, especially one of them. You know what? This is going to take 30 seconds and I'm just going to definitively lay out. So the, the first two camps and just to clarify the camps, quote unquote, are essentially hub areas within the open world where you can, you know, refuel your bike, buy weapon, buy new weapons, get missions, shit like that. And each camp kind of has their head honchos that are supporting part of the members of the supporting cast, along with any other people you might interact with. The first two camps are headed by two characters, Copeland and Tucker, who, again, going back to my Stephen King analogy, these camps did not belong in the game. You could have just cut them both out completely. They so they're they're like introductory camps. Like the whole we the way I see the game is it's it's there's three acts to it. There's the there's the whole beginning part before you go to Lost Lake Camp. The second act is Lost Lake Camp and then the third act is when you go south. But that's what I'm saying. It doesn't even make sense to have the first act be about these camps. I don't know. It's because I, because once you leave them, you never need to go back, and they're never relevant to the story. Yeah, and that that is a part. That is a thing that I noticed. And I think it should have just started at Lost Lake Camp. No, then, well, the, then go to the other camp, and then actually build up, and because eventually it becomes a conflict between Lost Lake Camp and the militia, and there was almost no build up to that. There needed to be more time on a build-up to that conflict, maybe why there's the conflict, the socio-political elements behind it, the philosophy. Because you do see that in conversations between Deacon and Iron Mike, those philosophical differences. And I wish those were explored more, maybe to make Deacon a more interesting character. I don't know. Basically, But we're talking about Copeland and Tucker right now, the leaders of the first two camps. And they really contribute absolutely nothing to the story or the game. I I don't agree. Because <laughs> they, they work well as they work well from an exposition standpoint to to introduce us oh, again, to introduce us to the world, uh, to introduce us to some of the characters that are in the major and, and players that are in this 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 destroyed state of Oregon. Um, not to mention it's important to introduce us to Copeland who is this game's Alex Jones. Yeah. Super right-wing nut job coming on the radio, talking about your Second Amendment rights in a place that basically has no government anymore. That's kind of how I view these two camps. Uh, not, not to mention uh, the, 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 Tucker, the Tucker camp introduced us to another kind of short-lived, unfortunately short-lived character that had somewhat of a promising story arc, Lisa, Mm. yeah Um, i was i was kind of like did they have more plan for this character and then realize it would probably make this game look too much like the last of us so they just chopped it a lot out i mean it's i i think it's important i i think it was a good idea and important to explore like a child or you know she's ostensibly a child that's living in, in a world like this all on her own she's got no one left it's important to explore a character like that um but eventually, and she does come back throughout the game. 
Yeah, but she's mostly an afterthought. Like she, there's a really heavy emphasis on her in that first act, and then she comes back, uh, having been assimilated into the Rippers at some point, and she like who are this cult like group that are kind of a external faction, yeah, that worship the Freakers, yeah, and she like helps you there, and then she doesn't show up until after you've beaten the main portion of the game where she shows up at Lost Lake. It's like, I'm not staying. And they kind of have a father-daughter bonding moment. And that's it. And I don't know. It, it's She was an interesting character, and it's kind of disappointing to see her get the shaft like that. Yeah, it was funny. At one point in the game, I almost forgot about her when we had to do other <laughs> missions. And I was just like, wait, what the hell happened to Lisa? What, what, I, I didn't even remember her name. I was like, what happened to that little girl? <laughs> and then she showed up like way later in the game. I was like, oh, shit, that's her. Like with her hair shaved and like cuts all over her face. I was like, oh, that's really cool. But then after after like you rescued her, she rescued you and you guys left the Ripper camp. Everything was just like, OK, happy ending. Um, but I do agree with you, Jason. Like, I feel like your connection to characters didn't really establish themselves until you got to Lost Lake. Like, I felt like Copeland and Tucker were not too memorable. And even the people in that camp, except Manny, who was like hooking up my ride. But, you you know, that's all he was good for. But like eventually, um, like I didn't start feeling connected till I met Ricky and some of the other people at Lost Lake camp. To that extent, I'll, I will agree. I, I mostly just think these camps were important to set an exposition. Because also, ultimately, ultimately is this bad shit crazy. <laughs> yeah. Be- because ultimately in this narrative, you've got two main, you, in terms of character development. Well, I wouldn't even say you got two main themes going on. You got Deacon looking for his wife, which isn't really a theme. It's just kind of a plot device to get you going from place to place. And then you got the other theme, which is de- the development of Deacon, you know, he starts out the game uh, kind of this, this I want to say nihilist, just cynical. He believes that he sees the world, quote unquote, as it is. And you and you have this character, Iron Mike, who we'll talk about in a minute or two, who believes that people should be trying to make the world a better place and Deacon's development over time to eventually become the leader of Lost Lake Camp. You know, he goes from being that cynical person to, I wouldn't say as uh, hopeful as Iron Mike, just a less cynical person who believes, yeah, maybe I can help to make this world somewhat better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, we're talking a lot about Lost Lake. Why don't we move on to Lost Lake? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I kind of combined, there's a lot of players in, in, in Lost Lake, so I kind of just combine, want to combine them all into like one, you know, grouping, you know, we have, mm. we have Ricky who, <sighs> she used to ride with Boozer and Deacon and we don't, that doesn't really get explored too, too much. Well, well, Boozer and Deacon apparently used to hang out at Lost Lake and then they got booted out. Yeah, I guess that I guess that's how it would it would have come to be. I guess when I, they were there, they did, she rode with them. Yeah, she did. They did something, and then Iron Mike like banished them, and that's like one of the first things when you get there. You kind of have to okay it with Iron Mike. Yeah, and you you do so by 
how did you guys real quick aside but how did you guys feel about uh days gone's uh sneaking mechanics and stealth oh. mechanics i should say they were they were good i actually um use stealth quite a lot okay I felt they they were the most fun when dealing with the freakers in terms of just raw gameplay. Right. When Thank dealing you. when dealing with human beings, it fucking sucks. Specifically the Nero missions, like where yes. you can't stealth kill them, you're kind of just stealthing around. That sucked, and you had to do that over and over again. So, thank you. I would have forgotten about that. And I'm not yeah. even just talking about the Nero missions, like camps like when you go in bandit camps or like when you're dealing with like fighting the militia like all that shit and what kind of yeah going back to what delilah's talking about with the nero missions the the shitty excuse of yeah they're really heavily armored they're wearing hazmat suits you can't (laughs) you can't stab a hazmat suit it's like okay all right didn't you hear they had terminator armor Like what a what a they're reason. they're evolving, Mark. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll get to that later. But Lost Lake, you have Ricky, who I I really liked. I really liked her arc. Um, I liked all the characters at Lost Lake. There was one bit with Ricky that I thought was really weird and dumb, but we'll talk about that momentarily. I want to introduce all the characters here. We have Addie. I the, think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, you probably know what I'm talking about. But we have Addie, who's the doctor of Lost Lake Camp. Uh, She's actually a veterinarian, technically. Yeah, but she... I, I liked her. I thought she was cool. Uh, Iron Mike, who we, we all know and love. He's a pastor. Who was the other character, aside from Boozer, who I think I really cared about. When, when he died, I felt like that was kind of a moment, even though... Yeah, the, the, anim- the animation of him dying kind of looked weird. I, so yeah. I almost chuckled, but he die he dies he dies during the 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 invasion of the militia later in the game. Uh, he get he gets shot and he's bedridden and dies on the bed. That was a really well done death. Yeah, yeah. He's very impactful, very emotional. I I was impressed. Yeah. Um, and then our last, our last major um, player from Lost Lake, fucking Schizo. Schizo, the dick. I fucking, what a little bitch. I hate that guy. <laughs> we'll get to Schizo later. Uh, for now, I, I, I do want to kind of delve into this, into this thing with Ricky. Yeah, so what bothered you? So, I mean, I, it was pretty well established early on that that Ricky and Addie were lovers. Right. And, you know, I liked that. They they worked really well as characters together. They had good interactions. Um, her and Deacon started going on more missions together, doing things. They got the They got the electricity up and running, spent a lot of time talking, bonding, back in that, kind of reconnecting. And that was the whole point of her storyline was to reconnect and, and rekindle that friendship. Friendship. Mm-hmm. Um, at one point, Deacon's injured and she's treating his wounds. And she gets a little... Frisky. Tries to get a little <laughs> frisky, a yeah. little intimate. Well, to be fair, I think they were trying to imply that at that moment in time... Ricky and Addie had some sort of beef, 
even though it's never really explained what it is. Sure. Um, but it, regardless, none of it was really necessary to the story, and I agree with you. It kind of distracts. And all it really did was introduce that whole line of lighting a candle that Ricky said, like, no less than ten times from that point on to the end of the game. Uh, as if as if it was, like, their secret code word or right. something. Right. Uh, and, and at the end of that scene, we also see I, I want to I kind of missed it. I want to say it was Schizo at the door, like saw what happened. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Did I, I don't. I, I swear that somebody was at the door and saw what they and saw them almost get jiggy with it. And, I didn't see that. All right. Maybe I'm mistaken. Maybe I maybe I'm seeing things. Maybe it took me so long to play through this game that I was I started hallucinating scenes. No, honestly, once I started seeing them kind of getting close, I was like, I skipped it because oh, okay. it just pissed me off because I, I felt <laughs> like that wasn't the dynamic of the relationship I wanted to explore in this game between Deacon and, and Ricky. Yeah, but like the friendship was fine and them going a little deeper than that. Like weirded me out. Like, dude, like you're spending this whole time looking for your wife and like right. she, she well, was she in knows- a relationship. And she knows full well, like that he's looking for his wife. It's kind of weird. And to Deacon's, yeah. to Deacon's credit, like he he did stop it. Right. And, no. Yeah. Totally. Say, but look, no, this like no, this isn't happening. Like so, he it's just he strange. Yeah, it, it, it was an odd moment and one that I I just didn't really care for. Um, yeah. but overall, I really liked Ricky as a character. I thought she was a really strong really determined and uh a character that I, I i did come to care about quite a lot yeah she had this balance between like badass and kind of motherly a little bit at least in the way that she was nurturing um lisa when she first met her and realized <laughs> that she had been uh, abducted by the rippers and um probably like raped or who knows like they didn't make that explicit but it's sort of implied that that's what they do um and she i thought she was being really nurturing to her in that moment but she's still like a badass yeah which is a nice balance and i've i've really kind of i've said all i really want to say about addy I, I i really liked addy as a character although she didn't have a particularly good or impactful arc uh throughout the game yeah no, rick for me ricky and addy they didn't really have none of none of the characters not even yeah schizo didn't either None of them really had arcs. Um, they were kind of so. From if you're looking at it from, and these are some of my creative writing 101 courses from college coming back up. Oh boy, I'm so when you're glad when you're looking get, at these you get to learn something. When you're looking at these characters, Iron Mike is definitely the mentor stereotype. He's yeah. Gandalf, Gandalf, Obi Wan <laughs> Kenobi, and I guess that's why I liked him so much is because I tend to like the mentor characters in stories mm-hmm. so i don't know maybe that's just a personal bias um but yeah ricky and addy are definitely more supposed to be kind of the moral compass um when deacon is kind of like oh fuck it oh you know doing his cynical shit just being an asshole um they're the ones who try to guide steer him towards i mean that that's re- really what ricky is trying to do throughout the entire game is getting him to stay at lost lake camp and you know become a part of the community mm-hmm. which of course he eventually does towards the end and schizo is like weird because he he's 
obviously uh, towards the end. I don't, I don't even remember when exactly it is, but he betrays you. What is that, towards the end of Act 2? Yeah, that, that, approximately. that was... Yeah, so, and, well, I would and, say probably maybe halfway through Act 2, or maybe the, just, just past the halfway point. And they try to make him an antagonist, and it does it's, he doesn't feel like an antagonist. He just feels like an asshole that you want to kill. And that's like, yeah. that's something else that I want to bring up. For, first of all, before we move on to that point, I started to like Schizo. I've never, felt, I've never felt so betrayed. I like as that's, soon as I started liking oh, him. Oh yeah, yeah. As, that's true. As soon as I started liking him, he sells you out, man. They they did execute that well, but it wasn't really so much the character as much as like I was like, oh, maybe this guy ain't so bad, and then. They perfectly executed the betrayal right there. Completely duped you. It, it it was really well done, and that winds up. He he sells you out to the Rippers, and we've been hearing his name a lot, uh, but we didn't really know much about him until this moment when when you get trapped in the Ripper camp. Uh, Carlos, the leader of the Rippers. Uh, and I don't even remember what his real name is. His name he was, was a, Jesse. Jesse, yeah, he was a member of the MC with mm-hmm. you and Boozer. And, and and I feel like I, I when we got introduced to that, like that whole idea that hey, this is this isn't Carlos, this is Jesse. I felt like I was missing something. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. Like as, as we were just talking about something that was really well executed with an antagonist, this was not. In, in it was opinion. confusing. I thought I had accidentally skipped the um, the cutscene beforehand. Like I thought, because I was watching it and I saw like Jesse, and then I was, like, what the fuck is going on? And the only reason I didn't know, like I was for sure I knew that I didn't skip it, was because I accidentally died, and then had to go and watch mm. it again. Yeah. And I was like, uh, like, <laughs> what's going on? I think and that's because we had no idea who Jesse was. Yeah, right. yeah. They was... start introducing the name Jesse, and they don't really give us a, a good explanation. I feel like the first point you get, like a good explanation of who he was, uh, is is if you do the optional mission to go to Sarah's gravestone, where where Deacon just kind of talks to it and gives like a little bit of backstory or whatever to whatever events are going on, and he describes mm-hmm. that part. He he describes you know back in the past him and Boozer. And the leader of the MC, what was his name again? Do either of you remember? I don't remember. It, 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 another concerning thing is how forgettable a lot of these people's names are. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but the uh, the, the two well, of them. Well, I feel like it's because we never actually see the aside from right. Jesse. That's when when he talks about the MC, we get a lot of names from the MC and like stories, but we never actually see flashbacks. Yeah, and that would have been nice to see. We got we got plenty of flashbacks, but nothing with the MC. That would have been nice to see, like some MC. I feel uh, like flashbacks. that would have been a better opening than what we got. Was yeah. to get uh, like his everyday life, you know, at the at the um, MC, you know, wherever you know their their main hub is, hanging out and then going to. You know, maybe riding to go see Sarah, or I'm sorry, um, yeah, Sarah. No, you got her name right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I thought I was talking about Lisa, but I was talking about Sarah. Um, and then maybe he, you have to ride out, and it's kind of a little tutorial how to ride your motorcycle to go f- see Sarah. And as you're riding out to go see Sarah with Boozer, uh, all hell breaks loose. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, I, yeah. I, I agree. 
I would have been more interested in seeing flashbacks of the gang, of the biker gang, instead of all the right. flashbacks with Sarah. Yeah, like anything yeah. anything involving that MC would have just been really welcome because any flashback we got always involved Sarah, which I get it. They really wanted to hammer home uh, the whole Deacon-Sarah relationship, which we will talk about. We're getting there. Um, mm-hmm. They really wanted to hammer that home, but Deacon had this whole other life as part of this MC, and we really saw nothing of it. And he describes yeah, it this. Uh, have, it didn't have any influence really on the story at the end of the day. Yeah, and he he describes this this situation where him Boozer and the leader of the MC, whose again name escapes us, but they held Jesse down, and I think burned off his tattoo on his back. Yes, yeah. they they actually took that from. Um, there's a there's an episode. Again, going back to Sons of Anarchy, <laughs> there's an ep- so when when you're booted out of the MC, you're supposed to get the tattoo of the club removed, you know, blacked out um, when you get booted out for anything. So obviously, then I I didn't ever picked up on that. Maybe I didn't do that mission to Sarah's gravesite. It's possible. But uh, hmm. then Jesse would have been uh, kicked out of the MC because there's an episode in Sons of Anarchy where they catch a guy they kicked out of the MC and they see accidentally he still has his tat. So they give him the option, uh, flame or knife. And obviously he chooses flame. So there's just a scene of them burning the tattoo off his back. Jeez. So that kind of spirals Jesse into becoming this cult leader, uh, during this apocalypse and, I, I guess it's I, I guess it partly kind of helps explain like the rippers and their burning and, yeah the tattoos yeah that actually a lot more makes now that you brought that up a lot more makes sense now with the rippers yeah and and the whole thing with the rippers is they they are a cult that follow the freakers and they want to live and be like the freaks um we eventually Boozer and, and Deacon blow up a blow up a uh, what was it a dam mm-hmm. to uh, to flood the, the 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 territory where the Rippers were in and they go and confront Jesse and they and Deacon winds up killing him pretty much halfway through the game. It's a very under underdeveloped. Yeah, and now that I know the background, that actually could have been a good antagonist, like someone who actually has a clear motive. And is now even further fucked up by the situation that everybody finds themselves well, in. He was totally built up as if he was the main antagonist of the game. It's this mysterious figure that we know nothing about. And and for for the majority of the game, and his name is only brought up and no one really knows anything about him. No one's seen him. But he they know that he hates the, the, the biker boys. Yeah. It's it's talked about kind of passively how Iron Mike has a treaty with Carlos to keep the rippers away from Lost Lake Camp and that, you know, they wouldn't cross the t- into ripper territory and break the treaty. Uh, you, and I agree. And again, this is why I say um, in terms of, you know, you were talking about the three act structure, uh, they really should have just cut out. I feel almost all of that entirely and just focused on what made up the latter half of the game, which was Lost Lake Camp and the militia. Yeah, and another another thing I'm I'm kind of disappointed we never saw. I I mean I kind of get it, but we I want to see 
anyone try to negotiate with the Rippers? Like, how do you negotiate with a bunch of crazy assholes that are high on PCP? Yeah. And, like... And who knows what else, yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't know how that works, but I digress. Uh, I, I think I think the, the Rippers and, and Carlos were very underdeveloped, um, underutilized, and, and short-lived antagonist. Yes. Uh, Delilah, do you have anything you want to add before we move on to the militia? Yeah, so I agree with everything you guys said about the Rippers um, and him as an antagonist uh, being underdeveloped. But I do think that's because the real, true, like, overarching antagonist is really the government, in a way. Or the, well, we'll get into it later a little more, but um, he's just kind of like a micro-antagonist. And I think there's, like, a bigger picture, which... We probably won't see until Days Gone too. <laughs> yeah, been, lis- been listening to too much Info Wars there. <laughs> Government is the enemy. Come on, Delilah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. In, the, in in this case, I'd be listening to too much uh, Radio Free Oregon. Yes. Radio- <laughs> yeah. But all right. So after 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 you get back from the the. the Ripper, you know, killing Carlos and whatever the hell, and Iron Make is, you know kind of pissed or whatever um he wants you to go and you want to go anyway because you get a lead deacon gets a lead that sarah might be alive which also god that was another thing that really annoyed the shit out of me was he finally he finally came to this to this uh acceptance she's not alive i can i can move on yeah we barely even talked about this that like that that there's a reason for that because like, yeah. that's like the biggest one that I really want to save that for last because it encompasses pretty much top to bottom the entire game. Um, but what, what leads you to what leads you down further south from Lost Lake is this is this lead that you get that oh wait she's actually alive. But before that, a few missions before that, you finally come to to accept that she's gone. Yeah. It's another instance where you're just given no time to grieve and accept the situation because in no time you're 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 led the other way again. But plot twist, no she's not and you got to go on and that's why I say your wife Sarah is not I don't even feel like she's a character. I feel like she's a plot device just to get Agreed. you from point A to B to C. <laughs> So, so sexist. Before before we before we get to Sarah, I do want to talk about a little bit about the the militia, because um, you you go down you go down south and it's much more uh, much more snowy down there, mm-hmm. which which is a nice change of place. And I I, I do kind of want to add to that they really did a good job of like changing up the the locales, even though it takes place entirely in Oregon. Mm-hmm. The, the, there's yeah. Oregon. I didn't know uh, Oregon had so many different biomes that were so segregated. Yeah, you go through mountains, through valleys, forests. It's, it's pretty uh... desert, snowy landscapes, lakes, marshlands. It's everywhere in Oregon. Didn't know that it was that uh that it was that diverse uh, in its in its environments. Um, but you go down there. And you get introduced to this militia, the Deschute. Deschute? Is it Deschute? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I haven't, the, the whole thing is I have it written down here, but I, I can't remember how they pronounce it. I, it's the militia, the Deschute County Militia. 
Yeah. Um, very, very drastic, crazy change in tone. Uh, given that you're you're introduced to military ranks and you find out, and this was like this was also an interesting opportunity to learn more about Deacon because we learned yeah. a lot about his time spent in the military. Yep. Right. I and I, I really. Which, which and I'm sorry, I might be jumping ahead a bit here. Okay. Um, but your in, kind of your first introduction to a main character in this sphere of the game is I believe he was a captain, Captain Curry. Um, yes, he was Captain Curry. And you kind of have a, a, you develop in a very short period of time a pretty good rapport with him, mm-hmm. uh, kind of going back and forth, sharing, you know, your your stories, your backgrounds as both real veterans from real wars. Um, and <clears throat> Curry could have been one of like my third character that I actually cared about. And I guess we'll get to it in a little bit, but he kind of, after your introduction to the militia, he's kind of just not there. Yeah. Yeah. He's just mysterious because you see that the ring you gave Sarah was on his finger and right. you're kind of like, what happened there? Did she marry him? <laughs> like, yeah, that was like, my, just... <laughs> that was like my first thought too, is like, did they get post-apocalypse married? Right. Uh, are we going to find out that she took another lover? Like, what, what's going yeah. on? Or did he, like, and, have to kill her and take the ring or something? Like, Yeah, and he was, like, real inquisitive about Deacon's life. Like, oh, were you married? Like, who were you married to? And asking all these questions, and Deacon was kind of vague and whatever. So, you know, you, si- you saw the interest between them, but also, like, what was this connection to Sarah? Um, and that's what kind of kept it mysterious even though we didn't really see him until much later in the game yeah after first being introduced to him and the i the reason that he had the ring was kind of just a throwaway throwaway reason that i i just i don't know yeah when you're you find out that when you're inducted into the militia which you do pretty shortly after getting there you have to give up all your possessions and all you're really wearing at that point is your ring um because you leave your mc cut behind with boozer when you leave uh lost Mm -hmm. lake camp um and you're also introduced to the colonel who at first glance obviously he's a pretty hard-ass guy but i kind of thought he was going to be a more nuanced character because you have this whole arc thing where he's trying to collect technology and artifacts and trying to set up so that maybe we could rebuild human civilization in the wake of the freakers. And I was like, Oh, all right. So there's definitely some bad shit here, but let's also maybe, not maybe, forget maybe, that a lot of maybe, that was uh, built on religion. Right. Right. That's where I'm going is that I thought, okay, maybe we're going to get a more nuanced character here. Like, I definitely knew he was going to be a bad guy, but maybe there would be some nuance. And then, of course, they went straight up, you know, crazy religious zealot, which I didn't like mostly because it was kind of, again, cliche. Sure. I, I do. I do feel that the game, the, the, the game didn't really explore religion much up until that point. 
And well, like, the the rippers. If we yeah, we could we could look at the rippers and and that they they worship the freaks, but that the freaks exist and they're not, not to say that if you yeah, have yeah, religious yeah, no, beliefs, yeah, yeah, I understand. Yeah, the yeah. free but the freaks are are ta- are tangible and right in front of you, and they want to be like them. So it's it's the difference of of idolizing something and and believing in something and we don't really have much exploration of beliefs uh in the game until that point and i i, I think it was I, th- I i personally think it was a good angle the their their concept of an arc and the colonel's concept of a of an arc was pretty interesting and, and different yeah like in isolation it's a pretty noble thing but where it goes yeah, kind of, and I mean, by the end, of, by the end of it, it kind of becomes irrelevant anyway. Yeah, the whole arc, like, and ultimately the colonel himself, it, it kind of all becomes irrelevant. Right. Yeah, that, that's the that's the point. Like Schizo as an antagonist, um, what was his name, Jesse, and even this colonel guy, like, like all of them had like kind of interesting buildups, but then once their arc, so to speak, was over, it was just kind of like, all right, like. There, cool. there was really nothing long lasting. Yeah, cool. Cool, cool story, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. So after uh, shortly after getting introduced to every, uh, the, the militia and and Cap- and Captain Corey, the Colonel. Uh, there are other interesting characters. Uh, within yes. the the militia. Uh, the scientist dude. The scientist dude was was pretty cool. I really liked the doctor, and they totally fucking snubbed him. Right. And it, it was all because of that fucking druggy kid. Um, I can't even. Oh, Taylor. Mm-hmm. His name was Taylor, and he sucked. Yeah. I did yeah. not like him one bit. Uh. Yeah, the doc. I really liked the doctor. I liked the, I liked the other scientist dude. Not a big fan of the scientist girl. AKA your wife. Yeah, Sarah. <laughs> yeah. Nice segue. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I I agree. When when you first meet her, well, not when you first meet, her, but when when you're reunited with her, when Deacon's reunited with her, her reaction, I was like. There, give, there almost is no reaction to give them to give it's, them. It's some so credit. weird. Like it, I thought, I thought she didn't recognize you at first. Like, <laughs> or or well, my first instinct was so that they they get reintroduced and and Deacon's already been lying his way into this militia, uh, claiming he did he had a, uh, a a wife of a different name and she and she uh, and he didn't have a picture of her. Um, that he came from a different area, not Lost Lake, yada, yada. He lied his way into this camp, and he's obviously trying to keep it under... He's trying to keep everything undercover. He's trying to keep his, his status there undercover. So, of course, he's not going to want to blurt out, Sarah, and then go give her a hug. I get that. Yeah. And her reaction was pretty much... It made me think that she... Not that she didn't recognize him, that she, like, got bonked on the head really hard and had amnesia or something. Right. Yeah, yeah. And then when they were alone, like, they they were alone shortly after that, and I expected a lot more. Right, me too. Not even just a lot more of, like, interaction or something. Just a lot more, like, anything. Like, getting jiggy with it on the table? not even (laughs) that. Just, like, 
she she was in denial of him being there. She she said, "You're dead. You're supposed to be dead." And like, yeah, I thought that meant like she had done something like maybe I don't know, bones the curry dude. <laughs> like, oh my god. Yeah, well, I mean, that was still a thought in my mind at, at, by that point too, because we we still had no idea why he had that ring. Yeah, they definitely implied it, like multi- well, not implied it that specifically, but they kept cutting back. The few times we see Curry, it always focuses on him looking at Deacon and Sarah, and he's got the ring on, and it focuses on like, and it never really explains why. That might have been an intentional bait and switch. He did he did at one point get he like inform Deacon like you know hey. Uh, don't get too chummy. All right, you're still you're still a uh, uh, she still outranks you or whatever. It's not a, the, you know you know what I'm saying. Like yeah, 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 yeah. He did bring that up, but I don't know. Like the burn to them rekindling their relationship was very. It was really slow and nonsensical, and then suddenly it just made this massive leap to okay, it's sensical yes. again without any logical buildup. Yes, it felt I... like they it felt like they were trying to pad out just to make that section of the game longer, so they could also do other stuff. Yeah. Even before that, I was not convinced of their relationship. Like, I think the most quote-unquote romantic moment that they had is when he brought her to, like, this, like, beautiful waterfall area and proposed to her, and then they lay down, and she got a phone call. She was like, oh, shit, I got to go back to work. I'm like, yo, bitch, like, fucking take a day off. Like, don't answer the phone. Like, he just, like, did something really sweet for you. And she just never seemed like she cared about him. And he seemed like he cared about her, but I never understood why. I was like, what do you see in her? When he took her to the weed farm. (laughs) Yeah. To be fair, like, he... I was kind of convinced in their relationship. Like, they, they did at times convince me, but it still didn't really make much sense. Mm. It wasn't like the most sense sensical relationship. Like it, it, it could be convincing at times, but it, it didn't make it make any much more sense. Yeah. And, like the flashback where they actually like at the actual wedding where only Boozer showed up and he's just chilling in the back. Yeah. Like I, th- I thought that was a really good moment. I did too. Yes. But it was a moment for Boozer and Deacon, right? Again. Like well, their relationship. Yeah, even, even she the also wedding, has I thought was yeah, I, between she, the two of them. And she has that thing where she says, you know, ride ride me harder than you ride your bike or something like that. Which well, a bunch which, of people, which she said which she said she wouldn't say a earlier. Bunch people and, on, a bunch of people on Twitter got really pissy and mad about that line. Apparently that's know, a really fuck, common that's a really fuck, common biker vow. Yeah, f- yeah, fuck me. Fuck Twitter. That's why I'm not on Twitter. <laughs> I don't I don't give a fuck. But the other the other point I want to bring up is is Delilah she she couldn't take a day off cuz she had really important work to do. Right. Like destroying the world. Yes. Which became extremely predictable at a certain point for me. Oh yeah. I told I did did I not tell you guys when I like literally when I was like a couple hours into the game on our ch- on our chat on Slack I put in there like I already predict that she was partially responsible for this i don't know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna check the transcripts on that one but i did i i predicted that like way in advance well, like, no you did i remember that but that i had be in the game at that point i was like i'm not yeah. gonna say anything oh yeah yeah but so- I, yeah sorry jason just because you made that prediction and got it right doesn't mean you get a point anyway <laughs> 
Um, yeah, uh, I don't know. I, I, I eventually came to like Sarah as a character, not nearly as much as like Ricky or Boozer or anything, but like she, she did have her moments overall though. Yeah. Like the flashbacks convinced me, but none of the present day moments with, between her and Deacon really did. I almost wish that Sarah had died. And you find that out when you get to the militia. I feel like that almost would have made um, Deacon's arc, quote unquote, of, you know, becoming part of the community at Lost Lake Camp almost have more meaning. Yeah. Because it's like everybody else at Lost Lake Camp who are now part of that community replacing the families that they've lost. You know, he would... You know what I'm saying, like no, absolutely, and like or even if sorry, or yeah. even if she actually intentionally knew what she was contributing to this apocalypse and still did it anyway, whereas she yes. was just kind of like a tool in it. If she would have like been like, oh, you guys are like making this like really disgusting substance that can change people, um, fuck it, go ahead. Like children are impacted, adults, it doesn't matter. And like, kind of went with it. I feel like that would have made her a darker character, and, and and then like see the turmoil between her and Deacon and Boozer. Like, oh, you're a fucking scummy bitch, whatever. Like, it, I guess <laughs> it would have been more dramatic, um, and less like happy ending kind of feel. And I just don't, I don't care for her. So I wanted her to be a bitch so that I could like her a little more. <laughs> Boozer, Boozer just wrote Moser down with his truck at the end of the game. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah, I would have been down. But yeah, I don't know. She had she had her moment, and I did. I I will say I did like the ending. Um, it was it was it was cheesy. It was it was happy go lucky. But I I I enjoyed it. Sometimes I enjoy that kind of thing, you know. Um, for such a bleak but, game, it was a surprising ending. But I like. But which which ending? Well, okay. Let's let's talk about the the the, the first finale. Uh, I I I guess we should call it. Um. Where you get, well, really, there there are some new recruits that are reportedly showing up to the militia, and one of them is your exiled buzzy buddy, the your exiled buddy Schizo, who outs you as says some really shitty lies and whatnot, and then it causes them to check and and cross check that uh, you know, oh, he's got tattoos, ah, oh, look at his back, ah, uh, and they they think Schizo's telling the truth. Uh, and, and, and this is another moment where Sarah just kind of can't really say anything right? because it would blow their cover. And, and, and you, you kind of sacrifice yourself for her. Right. And it should also be noted. They were, they were trying to just leave. Yeah. Like they were on their way out of the camp. O'Brien was coming to pick them up, which we'll, we'll get to O'Brien too. He's our last big character we got to talk about. Um, yeah, but you get, you were uh, you were imprisoned and I think expected to be ha- hung and then Corey saves you. And again, this is one of those reasons why I say this part, this half of the game should have been focused on cut the first half really out. Because again, like I said before, Curry was one of those characters I wanted more from. Yeah. And Curry, Curry, it would have been an interesting arc to see him because he actually believes in what's going on. But to see him transition from that 
to realizing how crazy everything's become would have been interesting and made for an interesting character, side character. I fucking fully expected him to show up at the final, the final encounter. Yeah, and kill the and like kill the colonel. Just, yeah. well, like like shit's going down. Like you know, you're having a tough time, and Curry comes in. He's like, "Yo, I'm, I'm here." Yeah, because he says he's going <laughs> to like Reno to hook up with like another militia or something like that. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, but like, I don't remember exactly. I, I'm just bummed that he didn't come back. I. I wanted more curry. I wanted more Captain Curry, man. I wanted more curry. <laughs> give me that. Give I me was, that curry. I was still hungry. Still hungry for curry. Um, yeah. So I wish he stuck around. Uh, he 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 gives you the ring back. Um, I I don't even remember the reason he had it. It was it was basically just he saw it. He thought it was cool. He took it. I think. Yeah. That was basically, yeah. which you know, all right, and and to the to the game's credit, to to life's credit, like not everything can have this deep, meaningful reason. Right. Sometimes it is as simple as, yeah, I thought it was cool, so I took it. Yeah. And yeah. so I I kind of appreciate that from a from a realism standpoint. Like, there yeah. doesn't always need to be some profound reason. Uh, so that, I don't know. That was much appreciated. Uh, it was a troll moment. Yeah. They were like, you thought this had meaning, but it really doesn't. Right. So, yeah, Curry Curry leaves. You go to Lost Lake. Repel a militia camp attack. Iron Mike dies. It sucks. Uh, you have to go save Sarah. You get this fucking truck. Oh, and, and this is the perfect time to bring this up because this is where this stuff really starts coming into play in the game. A little bit before it. Uh, when you had to test the napalm Molotovs that What's-His-Face was uh, developing. A scientist dude, yeah. Yeah, scientist dude. How did it take this long for us to have mandatory hordes? And just so everybody understands, hordes are just literally hundreds of these freakers will be grouped together, and once you tick them off or they get notice of you, they will chase you incessantly. They basically have, even though you're dealing with like 200, 300 enemies, they have like one health bar. Which I really um, yeah. liked. I really liked yeah. that. The hordes were the best part of this game, in my opinion, in terms of like combat and gameplay. Um, but I actually, you know, I heard this complaint a lot where people felt like the hordes should have been introduced into the story a lot earlier. Yes. Um, I actually appreciated running into hordes without knowing what the fuck I was getting into because it just made the game a lot more scary for me. And yeah, so when I, I finally took down a horde in, in, in a way that was from my own brain, not someone teaching me how to take down this horde, it felt a lot more rewarding and fun. And I, I'm okay with what they did. So I accidentally killed my first horde, actually, before I even got to Lost Lake Camp, yeah. Same. I just ran into it, and th- and th- and that's and that's yeah. fun. I really liked that too. I I I hordes were there, and you could you could run into them. You know when when they were out on their on their nightly stroll, um, but they the, having them as a mandatory thing. You could go through almost the entire game without seeing a single one, until yeah. like the, like there's the part there's the oh, and this was another thing I totally forgot to mention. There's that one horde that you're that you're introduced to uh, while you're at Lost Lake that you and Iron Mike intend to blow up the cave to seal them in. 
that goes nowhere. It was pretty much yeah. to introduce you to the idea that, oh, yeah, there's dynamite somewhere. Go find it. And then right. that schizo betrays you. Right. I, I'm torn on whether or not I like that. But my point is, like, you're never forced to fight one until very close to the very end of the game. Right. And with hordes being the big allure behind this game and, and the most interesting thing come uh, in combat, I agree with you on that wholeheartedly, Delilah. Like, it's disappointing to see them inter- or made mandatory so late. And then when yeah. they are made mandatory, you have to fight like three of them, two of which are like basically back to back. And they're big. Like they're not one of the smaller ones. Yeah. And, so and it would like, have been why, really nice to have practice. Why do we <laughs> never see it throughout the game? And again, this would have been a benefit running theme of chopping this game down, making it somewhat shorter. Why? Uh, but then you would have room for things like, why do we never see a horde actually attack a camp yeah, or some kind of like some kind of fixed position where like you have to fight a horde, maybe with other NPCs, like where you're in a fixed position, maybe there's a wall or some kind of embankment yeah, and, that, and like a horde assaults you. And I also like that goes, that goes to another point I want to bring up is the E3, the two E3 uh, gameplay demonstrations we saw. There was the one, the first, the first time they showed the game with the sawmill. And then the next year they showed, um, you going through and finding this camp and there was a horde nearby and you blew up a wall to attract the horde and they you hid and they came running in and took out the camp. I never found an interesting dynamic moment to use the enemies uh, to my advantage. And mm-hmm. that's pretty much what the what the game was selling us on in the first place was the dynamic environments, the dynamic uh the dynamics you can use in, in pitting enemies against each other. I never really felt like that was a possibility in the game. Yeah. The world was it, it, honestly at a point got more annoying than anything, especially when it came to like managing fuel and any real, like we're going to disagree procedure- on that one for sure. Any, but. any real procedural stuff. Like I would see a question mark pop up. I would turn, try to get to it, and it would just disappear before... Like, as soon as I turned in the direction of the question mark, it would just disappear. So I I almost never got to interact with any real procedural stuff. Uh, And then I would get pissed off because I'd be riding my bike and I'd just get sniped off it and have to deal with some shitty ambush that was fucking easy and unnecessary. And it just got to a point where I was fast traveling everywhere. The question marks were a weird one because they would pop up on your mini map and then disappear, but they're they're actually still there. I, I was I was reading on Reddit because I was really confused about them. You're supposed to basically just head in that direction and you will find whatever it is they were pointing you to. So like you getting sniped in the face was the question mark, you know, like they're like attracting you to the those enemies that are there. I think those uh, ones just happened like kind of yeah. like those those like road attacks would just kind of happen whenever they, they felt would, like yeah. happening. But there were like ones where you would see a question people mark trapped in by. the car. Yeah. There would be a person trapped and it was never worth it. Like you got you would be able to get like some maybe a tiny bit of money and some I guess whatever it was called trust or respect. It, to me, it depends mm-hmm. on the camp. Some like um, Tucker's camp sucked because it gave you so little credits and no trust. Yeah, but you were never there. You were almost never there. Right, but like the other the other camps, like even Copeland's, it, it gave you a good amount of trust, and it was what helped me max that camp out. 
But like a, a, sometimes it depends on the camp. Sometimes it was worth it. Sometimes it wasn't. Yeah. Well. Anywho. The procedurally oh. generated question marks were really, they just serve the purpose to gain currency in the camp because each camp had its own currency. So that, like if you did a question mark around there, you were more likely to gain more currency and trust towards that camp, which means you can get more guns and upgrades and bike upgrades. And it was really just a leveling up thing, which is really uh, annoying. Well, you, could point yeah. them, you could point them I to saw... whatever camp you wanted. Well, it, depending on the area, you could point them to a specific camp over another it, it's just certain camps offered better rewards than other ones other. did. Like, like uh, Tucker's, well, Tucker's camp gave you basically nothing where, of, of worth. Yeah. If you right. if you sent survivors there, where it was mainly Lost Lake and the militia camps that gave you the good yeah. stuff. They they gave you good like a good amount. Also, I the really Chicago Chopper. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I really liked how every camp had their own. It, like the, the 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 world that they set up with the camps and whatnot, it made a lot of sense. Like you wouldn't have the same credits per for every single camp. They they don't have a universal currency. They have their own. So I really liked that what they did there. Well, they were supposed to be like credits. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But it's it's each camp has like their own their own like number of credits for you instead right. of a shared number. Right. I, that's something I really appreciated. Yeah. Yeah. And they also had their own inventory. Yes. And certain camps, you know, didn't have anything for bikes. They could just refuel, but they had a really good arsenal of weapons. Yeah. So. Um, but we... We, we, should probably, we should probably finish up with the Yeah, I was going to say, we, we, really, we really got sidetracked. <laughs> but I, I, I don't know. This all stemmed from the hordes, and, and the hordes, I don't know, really bothered me that I had no practice going in, and that, that sawmill horde did not go anything... Like the wall, like how they showed it in the E3 demo, I basically just ran a big circle around the entire sawmill, picking yeah. them off. And like in the E3 demo, they show this whole dynamic thing of you running into the into the main barn and closing the door, and then busting through the door and you closing the things on them, so they struggle to jump over them and whatnot. I and... also felt like when actually fighting the hordes, like it showed you laying traps, like mines and shit. And, I mean, they tell you in the game, they advise you to do this kind of stuff. And I would spend, like, five, ten minutes laying out my path, how I'm going to run, like, how I'm going to lure the whore, horde, horde, <laughs> the horde, um, through, like, what path I'm going to lead them on, lay my mines, my proximity bombs, all that shit. And then, like, there was something weird with the planted explosives in the game where, like, they would explode. The radius of detection for the explosives was like way too big. Like the horde mm -hmm. would not be within a range where they would be damaged, but it would go off anyway. And it just felt like a massive, like it got to a point where I would run out of explosives. So I basically, what I would basically be doing is running back and forth, luring them out and in, out and in shooting them. Yeah. Down. I, I don't the, know. The most effective weapon against them was the napalm Molotovs. Yeah. And, then, and the machine. Yeah, and then good luck finding growlers uh, for for those napalm molotovs, because I eventually reached a point where I didn't have many of those because I couldn't find growlers for them. Uh, but yeah, I I just want to make a quick point. I did absolutely use enemies against enemies in the game, especially when it came to animal enemies like the wolves and the the bear. Um, Fuck wolves, man! Fuck wolves. 
Yeah, they sucked, but <laughs> like I I would like lure them into like a group of zombies to like attack the zombies so that I can explore the area more. Wait, would uh, they but, attack zombies? I never saw that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, but, like once Jason again, and like I you played wouldn't... the game totally wrong. Yeah. <laughs> like what, what Mark said, like you wouldn't run into a horde or you wouldn't see these like enemy fights if you don't explore. And like I'm a big explorer when it comes to video games. So like I got lucky. Um, but it, unfortunately, there I'm sure there's some people that just went from point A to B that never got to experience those things. And I think that's where a lot of complaints come from. I think the most I did with with pinning enemies against each other was I used the drifter crossbow for a very very large chunk of the game and I used the uh never used it <laughs> see i used those uh the the um the, the 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 bolts that make an enemy hate their hate their enemies or whatever or hate the yeah, they go like berserk yeah like the yeah like those ones i used those a lot i would basically go into any camp and just hit one hit the first enemy I saw and he just start killing his buddies while I, while I did what you said, like explored a little bit and tried to find other paths in to maybe start yeah. picking off people from behind. I totally Ramboed this game. <laughs> like I literally, as soon as, as soon as I was at the militia camp, I had the Tommy gun, a machine gun, uh, a fucking like Uzi, Uzi or submachine gun or whatever as a sidearm. Like I was just fucking rolling in and mowing down shit. Like, I didn't yeah. even think strategically about it by the end. And the game does, like, <laughs> allow that allow that of, of the player. You know, they give you plenty of, of, op, of options to, uh, you know, to, to, to do silly things like that. Yeah. But, all right. Finale the story. of the game. Yes, the story. Uh -huh. <laughs> the second, the second, well, so. The first ending. The first ending, yeah. Where you kill Schizo. You oh my god yeah that was so satisfying. <laughs> I don't I yeah. I personally really like that. You you go you go back you storm you storm the camp. We already know Boozer seemingly dies even though he doesn't. Um. But you yeah you you kill some dudes get in the arc confront Schizo, kill Schizo, thank God fuck Schizo. That's all I really have yeah. to say about Schizo. Did you yeah, guys know that like he was he had like good grades and like was like a a student or something like that yeah. i think it was like a note that you read or something like that that they, revealed that yeah they mentioned something about him being like like he was a really intelligent youth yeah you wouldn't peg that, of, that of, of that of that fucking dude yeah so just just context so basically this is a retaliatory strike against the militia fortress after they try to destroy Lost Lake Camp and Iron Mike dies and everything. Yet, for some reason, you're fighting your way up to the top of the fortress by yourself as everybody else is fucking yeah, on man. the ground. Everyone else yeah. is busy. Like, fucking slaying dudes, trying to find Captain Corey, get his help. But, um, so... He doesn't show up. To bust yeah. open the gate, you and Boozer drive a truck full of fertilizer and like nitroglycerin or something. I don't know. Basically, it's just a giant explosive they, truck. They drive a moving bomb. Yeah, and you're led to believe that Boozer sacrificed himself, blow, blew himself up to blow up the gate. So you fight your way to the top. You find uh, the colonel and Sarah, your wife. And he doesn't and... have a bucket of fried chicken. He has a gun. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And some tea. <laughs> Oh yeah, he's he does have that tea. 
did he fucking like kill himself or did Sarah no, poison it? I, Sarah, I poisoned him. Sarah okay, she took put, whatever okay. that like deadly flower that let she warned Deacon about, put it in his tea. He had no idea and he died. Yeah, that was her okay. coolest moment. That was her coolest moment. You were I, I was completely confused correct. about that at first. I was like, because like it, it didn't really like, I, at least for me, to me, it didn't really like show that she was the one who did that. I don't know. I, at least I didn't see it. It was it, you just know it because they have a mission where you're basically gathering flowers with Deacon for like twenty minutes, and oh, that's right, like the nightshade or whatever. I don't remember. And we yeah. see, yeah. And, and we see the flower or the uh, the, yeah, we see the flower in the tea. So you're you're just led to understand that she was being sneaky and slayed the colonel, <sighs> and that but was the real the, ending. Yeah, the real ending. Um, we haven't we have not mentioned O'Brien and like Boozer, at all. Boozer, by the way, as we said before, is still alive. Yeah, he's after, got after the fight. He shows up. He's got a knife. Oh no, uh, <laughs> he doesn't just have a knife arm. He also has an ice an ice cream scoop arm that he uses <laughs> yeah. for the for the sh- the stick shift on the yes. truck. I love yes. that. That was that was really yeah. great. But yeah, he's got that, and he's got his puppy. <laughs> but yeah, we we haven't talked about a Brian. So Brian was seen from the get. Like you see him in the helicopter. You're trying to get him to save Sarah to treat her or whatever. In, he was like, no, opening. I'm not gonna do it. Yeah, he's in the just, opening, he's yeah. just a grad student. Yeah, he's and basically he's a, an intern. He's a member of Nero, this shady government organization you see throughout the game, who you can't get in firefights with because they have crazy Nero tech and apparently are bulletproof. Yeah. And so there's a quest line where that's all you're doing for hours. <laughs> yeah, pretty much you uh, like there's other, there's other things you can do with Nero. Like there's the Nero checkpoints that you can go and explore and get like little data tapes that give you, you know, some insight into really a lot what of them is just like, Sarah. is just like, oh, what's that over there? Oh, it's nothing. What's that over there? Oh, it's a zombie. And then lots of screaming and then it's over. Um, that's how I felt about a lot of those data recordings. But the actual yeah. missions, you got some, int- you, you started getting like some interesting information about the freakers and the, and the infection uh, as it would be. They talk a lot about their shit. Yeah, they do. Well, I mean, they're, they're scientists. They have to analyze that. It's fine. <laughs> But, so I feel like Jeff Goldblum. That's a big pile of shit. Okay. O'Brien... <laughs> Jurassic Park reference. O'Brien really wants to know like what the other researchers are researching, and he gives you information about your wife before you obviously know that she's alive. This is really early on in the game. This is another character that like runs from top to bottom uh, per, for, for the most part. And, you know, he he helps you to come to this conclusion that your wife is dead and then he helps you come to the conclusion that oh she's not and then almost helps you guys escape doesn't because you already got found out yada 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 we get our first good ending you know they 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 end the militia everyone's all hunky-dory happy deacon and sarah live a happy harmonious life and o'brien calls you up and says hey Let's we go gotta on, talk. Let's go on one last date. And Deacon's yeah. like, "Babe, I found my I found my wife." He's like, "Nah." 
this is important. I need you. I need you now. So they go and meet at uh at the graveyard and we never see O'Brien's face cuz he's always wearing that that hazmat suit and you can't can't see anything until now. Yep. When he says, "You know how I said they're evolving? The freakers are evolving." Yeah. Takes off his helmet and he's bald. And that's the game. That stays gone. He's a freak now. <laughs> yeah. And then he fucking like he doesn't even wait for the helicopter to land. He just jumps into the air onto the helicopter. Yeah. <laughs> it's like fucking X Men like Yeah, I, I I yeah, you know how I said that I I, I really liked the cheesy, like happy go lucky ending, like the the first ending where, you know, Sarah and Deacon are like, Oh, I love you. Oh, I love you too. Oh, I'm mm. so glad we found each other. Oh, I'm so glad the colonel's dead. Yada yada yada. Yeah, I hated this ending. So did I. <laughs> I really liked it, but I'm also a dark bitch. Like, I don't know. I like I like the fact that they set up the stage for Days Gone 2. I like the fact that you did not have to play this mission, that most people that beat this game probably never played this, probably never saw this, what I think is the true ending. Um, oh, it absolutely is. It was completely is. optional. And and he he basically has control over this infection. So for Days Gone 2, we know that we're going to, see like people that have control of it and what that what that's going to mean for the world i i don't know but i'm really interested to see it i don't know why when when he jumped in the helicopter and it flew away i felt like they should have played like the music from the ending well the post credit ending of metal gear solid 3 <laughs> when fucking when he's on the phone with the president and then he hangs up after saying mr president and it's like da 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 like I felt like that music should have played after he got on the helicopter. It's like big, like relevatory music. Like like Austin Powers, <coughs> da, na, 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 like something like that. I, I love when you guys impersonate music. It <laughs> it really just makes me so happy. <laughs> but anywho, I, I I see what you're saying, Delilah. To an extent, I agree. I, maybe I would like it more. I don't know. I'll, a lot of the freakers we encounter throughout the game, there's like the normal freakers, there's the newts, there's the screamers, there's the breakers. They're all kinda, just kind of sounded like you just said nudes. I was about to laugh. Yeah, but... there was the there was all those saucy nudes in the game. No, there there's all these different subtypes of of zombies that I guess we've seen in other in other properties. The most interesting ones, in my opinion, were like. The the ragers, the the big zombified bears, the I don't even remember what yeah. the what the zombie crows were called. The, um, those were fucking annoying. They, I didn't even realize they were freakers with nests at first. Yeah. So I was looking for like the traditional nests that you had to destroy. And I was riding around, I'm like, where the fuck are the nests? I'm literally standing right next to it. Oh yeah. I didn't realize it was in the fucking tree. And I, and then all of a sudden the birds are attacking me. Because this isn't introduced until like halfway through the game. No, it's in- yeah. it's introduced in that last act when you go down down to the uh, Wizard Island. Yeah. Um, I found yeah I found the animal the animal freakers to be the most interesting, and I, I guess we do start to see some sort of semblance of intelligence with the freakers once we start getting introduced to the screamers, and um, those really really fast ones. Oh yeah, the, they look like an old man freaker. Yeah, oh my god, what and were they called? They like 
they they just come in, swipe you, and oh, reachers. They were called reachers. Reachers. Yeah. I have no idea why they were called reachers, but you start to see. I guess gradually you start to see some semblance of intelligence. So, I don't, but not enough where I can fully believe that this virus has evolved and mutated to a point where all these like scientists, a highly intelligent scientists that are studying things, are are infected with the infection and they're essentially intelligent zombies yeah i, I didn't and, and feel they believable could never, to me they could never really take advantage of different enemy types either because the whole premise is supposed to be you pre- you preventing yourself from getting overwhelmed by masses of zombie or freakers so it's kind of hard unless you're in a story mission to do like one-on-ones or even dealing with a small group of enemies with kind of the different types mixed together because otherwise it just becomes fucking impossible and then why even deal with it mm-hmm. just yeah. go around the enemy yeah for sure and and we've already kind of set our piece on the hordes uh the most interesting enemy uh really just yeah but that's pretty much the story of days gone there's a few other things that i think we can and should talk about um we've kind of already talked about the storyline structure i mean we we and we just read yeah. down like most of the important storylines um delilah you said this really early on and it rang it, it, it rang true for me as as jason and i lagged behind your progress in the game you said really early on to us that completionism is is basically a requirement. Yeah. And that's pretty much that's that's all the storylines. Like yeah. like we were saying earlier there's 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 a linear structure to them even though there really shouldn't be and it really forces you to do everything whether or not that's your style. And I Yes, yeah, sto- like main storylines will not unlock Unless you've completed like a certain amount of side, it's weird. Yeah, you per- it, it it really is, and a little a little frustrating. Yeah, I mean the reason, especially why I said that is once you beat the game, it, your platinum is right there if mm-hmm. you're going for it. It took you very quickly to platinum it once you beat it, so it kind of forces you to be a completionist, and I can see how that turned a lot of people off. Yeah, and, and especially because the. The game is just really long. I, yeah. you know, it, it's it's funny. You always want the most bang for your buck, but at a certain point, you you want to move on. Well, I think I think they could have kept the amount of content they had in terms of side stuff if they had just made the main storyline playable, just as a one shot thing. Like you could just progress mission to mission and totally ignore the side stuff. Maybe yeah. it would make maybe it would make it harder for you because you wouldn't progress your character in terms of skills and and health and stamina and all that that stuff. The like light RPG elements that are in the game. Maybe you wouldn't get as good weapons over the course of that time, uh, but it would still be possible if you just wanted to play for the story. Right. Um. So doubling off of the the length of the game, the storyline structure. <laughs> I know this is I know this is something Jason wanted to was itching to talk about a, a lot. I'm not really itching to talk about it. I just fucking hate having to deal with fuel for the motorcycle. Oh. Because honestly, 
it made the game feel longer for me because I was, even though I was fast traveling, like it would it, probably the loading screen was almost as long as going on the bike itself. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, but, lo- uh, loading up the game for the first time, there were so many. There, I eventually reached a point where I would never quit out of the game because it would take so long to yeah, load back into it. I was worried my game was fucked up the first time I loaded, and <laughs> and speaking of that, like even though. At this point, there have been so many patches for the game already. It kind of, when it was released early for early access for like reviewers, apparently it was really fucked up. Yeah. Um, which some people say might have contributed to the lower scores. Um, I don't know about that, but even now with all the patches that have, I think it's like already like seven or eight patches that came out or something like that. Uh, I think more than that. Um, like I still had crashes going on. I lost a lot of progress due oh, it'll, to crashes it'll take them a long time and, to iron all that stuff out and the frame rate oh my god the frame rate dips so much. i mean i'm not like i'm not usually a big stickler for these things but it would really like interfere with the actual gameplay especially when it came to hordes and when you're riding on the motorcycle across big open uh environments where it has to render a ton of shit like it's just something that should be mentioned. Yeah, I didn't run into too many issues like that, thankfully. No, my <laughs> my biggest issue was uh, the more dynamic hordes. And I say dynamic because you could just be out and about somewhere and all of a sudden a hundred enemies. Attacked, yeah. uh, no, not, not even attacked. I would physically witness a hundred enemies pop out of nowhere. Oh, yeah, that happened to me, me once. Yes, that did happen to me. I have a video clip of it on my old hard drive because I upgraded to an SSD. I'm going to share it, and I'll probably put that link in the comments. Okay. Yeah, please do because, yeah. oh, man. It happened to me It happened to me during a mission. There was a mission where you you go into a mine to free somebody, and after you, right after you freed him, I would go to leave, and there was an elevator shaft nearby, and all of a sudden – like a hundred dudes just show up and start running at me from that <laughs> elevator shaft. Like inexplicably, out of nowhere, they just show up. Was that the one in the Arcanist cave? Uh, yes. Yeah, so that I think was purposeful. Oh, they did they not were... do a good job at making me <laughs> convincing me it was purposeful. Well, because the thing is, is when you're approaching a horde, you hear like this weird music. It's like, ding. Yeah. And so I heard that when I was like killing the Arcanist and going through the cave to rescue that guy. Mm-hmm. And I had that ability where you could see like the infrared of of bodies oh, through okay. walls. So I saw all of them like cu- like curled up in a in a in the cave. Uh, and that's so I knew they were there. You're not talking about the cave where you see the reacher for the first time, are you? No, I don't know. Because that that one, because that one, that one, it was definitely part of the story that a horde comes at you after you kill the Reacher. Yeah, that was purposeful. And so I think so was this. I think it was like a side activity. Um, Okay, maybe maybe it was. It it didn't come across that way to me. (laughs) Yeah, because they came down really fast. It it didn't even look like they came down at all. It looked like they just like spawned. Yeah. (laughs) In this little nook and started running at me. Uh, I digress. I did. Uh, there were other instances where where they just I just saw them spawn like ten feet in front of me. Yeah, I had that too. But that was the that was the most memorable, even if it was purposeful. I actually killed a whole horde, and there was like a little slither of the health left, and I was like, "What the hell? I can't find this last freaker." 
And then my game like bugged out. And then all of a sudden, all 100 of them spawned right next to me. And I was like, <laughs> oh, my God, I have to upload that video. Uh, um, no. So, so, go uh, ahead, Jason. I was just going to say, so anyway, Mark. Oh, okay. So the fuel management? I loved the fuel management. Me too. I, I uh, Jason, all you got to do is pump gas every now and then, man. Stop fast, stop fast traveling everywhere. So fast traveling, I feel like took more fuel than actually driving somewhere. Probably did. Yeah. Mm, Jason, maybe Jason's not having any of it. I just felt like it was. It didn't really add anything to the experience for me. For me, it like it, it was made more me shook. It was more annoying when I ran out of fuel and then I had to run around and find somewhere to get fuel. And it would just be like a waste of 45 minutes an hour. I never had that problem because I took care of my bike and refueled it when I saw it was getting low. I, I will say that towards the late game, when you upgrade your fuel tank, it becomes far less of a problem. Yeah, but also there's fuel tanks everywhere. As long as you see houses and cars, there's probably a fuel tank. See, so like whenever I was on yellow, I would make sure to go to like wherever I saw houses and stuff see, and look that around. That wasn't my that wasn't my experience. For some reason, I could only ever find them at gas stations. Oh. Uh, I was having a real hard time finding them in like houses and shit. Did you? Yeah. Uh, were you wearing your glasses? I, I would constantly get fucking rags and sterilizer, which I always was in full supply of, but I would never get actually get anything I needed. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I wasn't even and Jason when I when I mentioned like the thing that you really want to talk about, I wasn't even talking about fuel management. I was talking uh, about open worlds. Uh oh. 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 Um. Yeah. Uh, so no, this I'm, is a hot topic for you. No, I'm just I'm just kind of sick of open worlds unless unless you're actually going to take the time to design a map um, that's not even necessarily fully open, like something more in the vein of a game like the recently released God of War, where you can kind of uh, explore the world, go back and forth between different areas, you learn more about it, become more familiar as you go through it. It's not completely open. It's relatively big, but it's not open, but it's open-ish. Yeah, open-ish. Yeah. Yes, I, I'm sick of open worlds that are just big open expanses that I, you don't even end up experiencing most of it, um, unless you spend hundreds of hours exploring and going through every nook and cranny for no real reason. Like, I felt like, especially the northern northeastern part of the map i almost never if ever really went to it um i don't know i felt like this game would have benefited not necessarily being a strictly linear in the sense of like a naughty dog game uh but more like out of war but again that goes along with me believing that the in terms of the content of the narrative it should have been cut in half and focused more on the conflict between lost lake camp the militia, the differences in philosophy between the colonel and Iron Mike. Um, I agree with yeah. you that the narrative could have been more straightforward, um, especially for people like you who are kind of sick of open worlds. 
And I am too sick of open world games. I kind of wish they would have less of them. But I feel like for a game like Days Gone, it was beneficial, especially because of the hordes. Um, but yeah, I do wish there were generally less open world games so that we don't feel so fatigued when we finally do get one. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I, I I keep going back and forth of like, it's an open world game. I can't imagine any other way they would have done this game in terms of how the, how they structured the narrative and... Uh, and and how the open world works with it, but at the same time, I I do wish it was somewhat different. It's just they tried to pack too much in. I felt I feel like yeah. I can I can see why this game took so long to develop now. Yeah, and and uh, transitioning from that, one of the last few things I want to talk about before we before we end it here. Uh, you talked about packing stuff in. We got we got for side content more side content than what we've already talked about. We got those ripper camps. We got ambush camps. We got marauder camps. Oh god, they were all pretty much the same. Yeah. Yeah. Kill twelve or fifteen people. The the biggest diff the the the, the one that had the most differences were the uh, the ambush camps, and that's because they gave you like a bunker that was used as a fast travel point. Um. And you would get, you would usually get a reward. The only helpful thing I thought was the maps that yeah. kind of yeah. cleared out, cleared out the area, or cleared up the area on your map, so you could see exactly where everything was. But you would also be rewarded with recipes for crafting. But I always felt like I would get recipes I re- I already had, you'd like get from re- the main quests. You'd get recipes. You got recipes for things like you could. You were able to craft things, but you there were some things that I are I I was like in full supply of by the time I got the recipe because I just found them. Like I found I found um, not frag grenades, uh, pipe bombs quite a lot before I got the recipe for them. Oh no! Yeah, then, so I I agree with that, but I'm saying like I would be rewarded a crafting recipe from like completing a main quest line. And then I would get that same crafting recipe from a bunker. Oh, that might have just been a coincidence. Yeah. It might have been two things that were like really closely named or something. Like the proximity mines and the proximity bombs, which I still am not really sure what the difference was. One of them you trigger, I think. Uh, Like you actually hit a button to trigger. Okay. I guess that that kind of shows how much I use those in my playthrough. Um... (laughs) Yeah, I, I I think at one point um, there was a marauder camp that they straight up called a marauder camp that had rippers. They just used those two like definitely interchangeably, and it just yeah. What's the point? What's the difference? There's no, there is none. Uh, and, and there were a lot of collectibles. Some of them were interesting. Most of them weren't. No. I like the whole this is more a design thing. I like when you pick up a collectible and there's like a thing on the screen that says, "You got this. Click this to view it." And then you can go right in there. That that is more so going to prompt me to actually read what it has to say. Like Uncharted? Yeah, like Uncharted to view the treasures or to read notes or something. The Last of Us lets you read notes and stuff like that. Uh a lot of games you know, function that way. And this one didn't, you'd pick up a tourism pamphlet and I'd have to go into my menu, go to collectibles, go to the thing, find the yeah. thing and then view it. If I wanted to find out more. 
And uh, yeah, I, I didn't even bother with that kind of shit. They had those um, the landmarks, and I would have totally loved to read about them if it was just more accessible in the UI. Yeah. Um. So it really just seemed that another, that's another thing that seemed like an afterthought. Oh, we're an open world game. We should have collectibles, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, there's one more. Uh, do you guys have anything else? There's one more thing I want to bring up. No. One last question I want to pose. We're getting a sequel. Mm-hmm. Like, we 100% are. Game sold really well. We got that fucking ending. Delilah, I'm sorry. I know you like it, but... <laughs> that fucking ending. Um, yeah. I wish we weren't. I wish... I mean, not that I... I don't want Sony Ben to, like, be closed down. I'm glad that oh, I wanna they s- sold I... well. They sold well. I kind of... <sighs> I absolutely want to see what they're capable of, which is why I'm posing the question, because we can't, we're, we're, we're going to get a sequel to this game. It's pretty much a given. What would you guys want to see different? What would you want to see change from this uh, game to that one? I think less, like, fluff, like the yeah. Marauder camps and all that shit. Less neural checkpoints, like maybe another way to upgrade your stamina and health, um, like or yeah. less of them. Completely different character and settings. I would actually like to see them follow Captain Curry, see where he goes, he ends up. Um, it'd actually be cool if like it took place in like Reno, in like a desert environment. Um. With freaker hordes, I would like to see them be again focus on the hordes, be more creative with it, set up combat scenarios like you know defending a fixed position against an attack by a horde, um, with other NPCs you know at your side. Um, don't always make it like you have to go in by yourself and take on this horde by yourself. Um, yes, obviously, you want scenarios where you also can use stealth and lay traps and be smart with it. But yeah, I, I, I think I feel like uh, these characters. There's, I don't think there's not there's nowhere really they can go with them. I don't think. Okay, I personally, I would, I, I agree with. I agree with Delilah less fluff, but mostly I want them. I want, I want to, I like that. I really like that storyline idea. I just want it to be refined. I don't want it to be like, yeah, we, you have these storylines and they all have their own separate progression, but it's all linear anyway. So it doesn't really matter. No, I, I, I want something that's a little more dynamic that lets you focus on the stories that you care about and how, mm-hmm. somehow they can work out the narrative so that works in, in a logical way. Uh, that's really what I want to see from a sequel. Maybe have actual choice making in the story. Mm. Maybe you have multiple camps, but your relation with one might affect your relationship with another in storyline affecting ways. Similar to how like you'll see a, a Bethesda Fallout game, or really any Fallout game, might have uh, a few factions tied to the main storyline, and you kind of navigate between them, and ultimately the ending will depend on which one 
you ultimately side with. Yeah. When I first read this question, Mark, when you sent us the show notes, I thought, what if it was like a co-op experience where like, let's say it was like you and Boozer going through and somebody had like a knife arm. Um, But then (laughs) I feel like you might be stepping over each other's toes, especially when fighting hordes. Um, So I don't see how it would work out. But but that was my uh, initial thought until I really thought about it. And I was like, no, See, that's dumb. I think that would be awesome. Yeah. Horde fighting hordes co-op. As an option, yeah, I, I, I think that could be cool. I, I, I don't know that I want to do a main campaign co-op. I'm, no, I'm, I'm not talking about necessarily a campaign. Uh, yeah, that's fair. Do, do they'll do what they did with Uncharted? The second one comes out, it's like, all right, add multiplayer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, all right, that was Days Gone that we just talked about. We just talked about for nearly two hours. Well, Um, really? Wow. Yes. This, this, yeah. So, uh, let's, uh, let's, let's skip what we've been playing because I think we've all, we've all been playing, um, the next game on the Reap the Spoils list. Oh, I haven't yet. Okay, that episode will be coming uh, as soon as Jason finishes it. Uh, <laughs> We're scheduled um, for next week to record that. <laughs> yeah, no, but I told you I'm gonna beat it this weekend. And I and okay. I do I do kind of want to start uh, announcing the game, the next game that we're playing uh, at the end of the previous episode, so that if someone does want to play through it uh, alongside the episode, they have the opportunity to. Uh, the next game we're doing is Uncharted: Drake's Fortune. Yeah. The very first Uncharted game. Platinumed it again. So did I. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, and I got, and Aren't I got all those special, and I got all those extended collection trophies. Brutal was surprisingly okay. Nice. But that is, uh, the next game that we're doing, uh, shortly after this one goes live, we will be recording that and then publishing it, uh, to all our, our, all of our podcast feeds, uh, those are iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, as well as YouTube. And if you listen on any single one of those, please rate us, uh, comment if it's YouTube, like, give it a like if it's YouTube, subscribe to the channel, Dead Cell Media. Uh, if you liked the episode, if you didn't like it, uh, tell us why. I'm curious. Uh, Blame if, you Mark. Did, if you did like it, tell us why. I'm curious. <laughs> <laughs> Blame me, apparently. Um, yeah, that's 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 all I got. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Nibblehymian. Delilah's at Assassina underscore San. Yes. Jason is. Don't follow Jason. Just. I'm not on Twitter anyway. I mean, I am, but like I have an account. But yeah, his, his account his account's at Solid I've... Quaz, but don't follow him. He doesn't. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't do care. anything. He doesn't care. And that's... I'm not on Twitter. Yeah, I know. And then you can follow the uh, you could follow Dead Cell Media on Twitter at, at Dead Cell Media. You can also find us on Facebook. There's a Facebook group. Join the Facebook group. Find Dead Cell Media on Facebook. Join the group. And that's all I really got. So thanks for listening. Peace out. Goodbye, Mr. President. Dun 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 dun.